Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. All right, Albert, it's been a little bit since we chatted, so it's nice talking to you and seeing you again. How have you been? I need empathy. I've been <laughs> sick. Last three days have been terrible. I've been in like fever dreams. I, I don't know what it is. It's some kind of virus. I w- got tested. They said it wasn't the flu and uh, just sent me home and said, drink fluids. And three days later, I'm still homesick. It's been kind of awful. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. My son is sick as well. He has not been feeling so great. I was, uh, showered in his bodily fluids yesterday. So I, uh, oh I feel you. I hope it's not as bad as that because uh, <laughs> that was tough to, to get through. <laughs> I would like wake up just long enough to catch another episode of Succession on HBO. Have you seen okay. it? I have not, no. It, they'd be good for this show because they're they're, okay. they're they're the most dysfunctional family ever. They're awful. <laughs> it's really uh, it's a good show though. It's a, it's I mean I don't know how how based on Rupert Murdoch and his family it is or whatever, but it's just very rich people who are very mean to each other. Oh wow! Okay, so my that's mom good. got me. Uh, it's very entertaining watching a uh, Shit's Creek. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's oh, I love of, that show. It's yeah. great. <laughs> so yeah, that's what she's got me watching. So it it gets better and better. It's funnier and funnier as it goes on. So I've heard. I've only I've only gotten through like part of the first season. So I'm, it's uh, kind of like our early podcast. They just ran very good. Just, no, yeah. I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. Isn't that how it's supposed to be? You know, <laughs> you're working through it. You know, but hey, we've gotten better and better, and our guests have been getting uh, cooler and cooler, and. Speaking of our guest today, we have Matt Schneider from the City Dads Group, and I'll read his little introduction here, and I'm really proud to have him on the show. Matt Schneider lives with his wife and two sons in New York City. He's the co-founder of City Dads Group. Matt has contributed to the Huffington Post, Quartz, New York Family Magazine, TimeToPlayMag.com, and has been quoted from the New York Times, USA Today, Bloomberg Business Week, and the CBS Sunday Morning Show with Charles Osgood. Matt hosts the Modern Dads Podcast, a monthly show highlighting the stories of 21st century dads and families. Matt, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I I definitely didn't up up the uh, cool factor for you, but uh, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Uh, You definitely did. Hey, um, any friend of Ben is a friend of mine, and he's actually who introduced us, and uh, he's a new father as well. Um, he just uh, introduced his daughter, uh, Mila, into the world, so we're all super happy for him. So, yeah, you have uh, some kids as well. Um, before the show, we were talking about um, your youngest son and his uh, jazz exploration on the saxophone. Um, tell us a little bit about that. That's super interesting. We're three music guys, so that's something we definitely love. Um, so we'd love to hear about you and your family. Give us a little, you know, little bit on that. Yeah, no, we. Uh, my oldest, I have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old, and my oldest, uh, we introduced the violin, uh, actually, and... Um, I've been home with the boys since they were born. So I took the opportunity to, rather than just take him to violin class, we would, we would take violin together and I had never played violin. So that's how we started. It was two of us. We were a duo and and having fun together and he was better than I was, of course. But, uh, uh, over time, my, uh, younger one started as well. So we were a little bit of a trio for a while and um, at some point, they both decided that they hated violin, so they, we all stopped, and, and I had to end. My, I could have kept going, but I did not. I, I ended my instrumentalist career, um, and Sam, my younger uh, 
some point later came along and said, I really want to play saxophone. And I, we said, well, violin didn't go so well. You didn't really like it. Why would this be different? And um, we kept talking and he kept convincing us. And it, it clearly was intrinsically motivated. It was something that he wanted to do. So we, we gave him the chance. I, I didn't join him for lessons, which might have helped. <laughs> Um, and he really has just taken to it and uh, he's taken private lessons and he's taken it at school and he just got accepted into this New York City citywide jazz ensemble and it's it's amazing to see a kid um, gravitate towards something and really be able to find his his passion and we certainly we we set up set up the right scenario for him to find it and and it's it worked out, but uh, it really is something that he is driven by rather than um, even, he, he's not driven to do well on a college application or to get into something else. He just is enjoying playing <laughs> it and enjoying being part of the musical community. Very cool. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to, to that story because my mom got me started with piano lessons and my brother and I started playing piano and like it was great, it was cool, but like our hearts weren't in it. You know, it just wasn't that until um, we just switched over to guitar. And I've been playing since I was 13 years old, and I just love it. Um, I played in rock bands and metal bands all throughout, you know, high school and college. So it's just always stuck with me. And you know, I think that the second one is is the real love. So <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Anything you find on your own is going to be uh, something better than something pushed on you by somebody else. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. So um, you're part of the City Dads group, and there is a, a small chapter in Pittsburgh. It's probably not as lively as um, the New York City one, but tell us a little about that because um, as a father myself, you know, that's something that, you know, is just such a great outlet for men and for fathers. Uh, yeah, we started uh, as NYC Dads group. Uh, I've been home with my kids, as I said, for 14 years. Uh, but a buddy of mine was going to take off uh, around 11 years ago. He, he says, follow in my footsteps. We were teachers together, so he knew my my journey. Um, and he had his first right around the time we had our second. And uh, he called me up and said, okay, my wife has gone back to work after maternity leave. What have you been doing with your time? Uh, everything is for moms. It's mommy and me play groups and mommy and me music class and art class and gym class and every magazine is for moms and there's lots of mom bloggers and um, I, of course I said I've been hanging out with moms and I've been hanging out with nannies and not thought that much about it. I see a, a dad every now and then but uh, I don't talk to him. He's there but we're and we might hover around each other on the playground but unless there's some reason we're not we're not connecting. So thankfully Lance um, was more proactive and, and more social and more extroverted and said, uh, well, we're going to be hanging out. Let's see if there's some other dads out there that want to hang out too. Uh, so he posted NYC Dads Group on Meetup and, and uh, that's where it started. And we thought it would be at-home dads uh, and quickly realized that it wasn't just dads that were home full-time that, that wanted connection and a community of dads. We had uh, teachers that had summers off. We had journalists that had flexible schedules, business owners that could do whatever they want, and guys joining that work full-time, work 60, 70 hours a week that still wanted to be part of our group. So said, let's try to welcome and be welcoming of all types of dads. And uh, we did, We were just in New York for about five years. We We started a blog and got on social media and realized 
great that we're building a community, but the world doesn't necessarily know what it what it looks like to be an active and engaged dad. And frankly, the media kind of thinks that dads are a bunch of doofuses that can't handle changing a diaper without putting on a gas mask or, or we're dangerous, we shouldn't be left home with our kids or we're distant, we're just working all the time and don't care about our kids. And that wasn't the, the guys, certainly those weren't the guys that we were seeing in our group and not ourselves. So we, we were able to kind of use our blog um, and social media to be a voice for the group and kind of demonstrate to the world um, the real versions of dads that we were seeing, which there's not one, there's not one type of dad. Uh, we're all, all very different, but uh, we're a community for active and engaged dads. We're not, we're not dads, certainly we're not better parents, um, but we're, and we're not, nobody needs to convince us about the importance of our role or, or that we need to be there more. Um, we're trying to be that resource for the guys that already already know that. And slowly over time, we had some guys ask us about what we were doing in New York City. And finally, we realized rather than give advice, let's do this together. So we created kind of an umbrella organization, City Dads Group. Um, and people have approached us and said, we'd like to do this. So we, we kind of invest in groups around the country, um, help them build that community and then connect all these organizers. We're now in 41 cities across uh, the United States and, and one in Toronto. Um, and yes, Pittsburgh is, is, uh, is represented and yes, uh, they are not as active as some of our other groups, but uh, what we, what we're finding is that it's, it, it can't be one or two guys that really, um, contributes to a group it needs to be kind of uh we need to create that sense that this is a group that we're building together um, and make sure it's representative of uh the full range of dads you won't be surprised to know that our groups that are run by black dads have a lot more black dads showing up to meetups or latino dads um there's a lot more latino dads so um, one get one or two guys might start a group, but really we want to make sure that we're actively uh, welcoming and open to uh, a range of guys. Very cool. That's I mean such a beautiful mission, and yeah, I've been I've posting a couple times like, hey, are we going to do a meetup? Or you know, is anything happening here? And I'm kind of the new guy on the block. But one thing in that group, you know, you said there's not as much engagement between um, you know the men. What do you think that? Um, you found that like, you know, the fathers struggle with most or, you know, like what really breaks the ice to kind of get them going from, okay, we're here kind of static guys to, okay, we're really a community and we can really communicate with each other and really build that empathy. What, what have you found, um, you know, is their struggle and what have you found helped bridge that gap? Yeah. And I think, I think in general, I mean, the perception at least is that we're not interested in talking about what we're going through that we, we we somehow don't need community anymore which i don't think is is the case at all i think fatherhood becoming a father is a great time uh to reevaluate all that we're all kind of recognizing that the, we're new to something uh and that knowing other people is gonna gonna help us and here learning from other people is going to to be beneficial to us as fathers and i think the definition of, of fatherhood has changed so much you can't really get away with working all the time, going to play golf on the weekend and call yourself an, an active and engaged father, nor do we want to be that in, anymore. I think our generation 
these generations of fathers really recognize that we want to be uh, thinking about uh, where our kids are going to school or part of that conversation. We, we are part of the conversation about what needs to get done on a day-to-day basis in the home. We are part of the conversation of what kind of kids do we want to raise. And not to say that dads haven't always been part of those conversations, but um, we really are in a time where the expectation for people who are doing this together is we're in this together. Let's really try to uh, to learn for, to, to do it together and then be part of communities. Moms naturally have these communities, or not naturally, I suppose. They're, they're just there. Like you know, a woman decides that she's even thinking about motherhood. She'll go out into the world and find other mothers, other potential mothers to talk to. Uh, men don't even think about, don't even know that we're here um, and don't, don't even think about, oh, I should try to find a community of, of other dads. I should read about some of the things that, or what it's like to be a, a new dad. Uh, and we're trying to, to change that. And I think the guys that are finding us, like I said, are already the guys that have kind of turned that switch in their mind that they want to be active and engaged. So they're, they're ready to, to start that community and be part of that, be part of that community. Tell us a little bit about uh, the kind of uh, inspirations you had as a dad. Did were were did you have a particularly active dad in your in your life growing up? Did you kind of come into being a father, kind of feeling like, hey, I think I got this. Uh, I did. I never worried about what kind of father I would be. I have a great dad. I continue to have a great dad, uh, but he um, was the primary breadwinner for our family and work was first. And uh, there are various points in time where he owned a business and that business wasn't doing well enough. So he needed to consult on the side, which had him traveling for weeks at a time. And I would say I had a good five to 10 years where he was uh, coming home on a Friday night, dead tired, coming off a plane and getting on a plane on Sunday night, going to some other place. And uh, that, of course, uh, changes the way that he was able to be a father. And I, it was a fairly traditional upbringing. My mom, uh, for up until a certain point, was home full time and she did everything related to uh, being at home. Um, so, in, in some sense, I was, we, my wife and I were influenced by kind of that setup. We, we kind of have a very traditional setup in terms of me being at home with our kids. Um, but obviously, I think probably there was an impact on my my dad kind of needed needing to be away and me wanting to be something different for my family and wanting to to make sure that never happened for me that I was always active and engaged. Um, so, so you said you were you were a teacher. Did you actually um, stop uh, leave your job and stop teaching? I to, did. To be a dad? I did I thought I would take a year off and. Uh, 14 years later, I'm still home. So, and but teaching is by far the hardest thing I have ever done and, and will ever do. I was a teacher at PS 86 in the Bronx, a sixth grade teacher. I had the same group of kids all day long and, uh, and they were coming from all, all walks of life. Um, most of them Dominican and Puerto Rican uh, backgrounds and uh, a lot of families that were struggling. So I was not in many cases, just their teacher. I was, social worker and father figure and a whole bunch of other uh, other things so it was it was tough um and i i recognized at some point that i could not be the teacher that these kids needed and be the the dad uh, that 
I wanted to be for my kids and also the conversations that I had with my wife. Uh, we kind of decided that her career would be the one that uh, would be the, the primary source of our income. Um, even before I was um, not working, uh, her career was the one that allowed me to pursue teaching in the first place. So um, our life wouldn't be what it is if she were the one being called at two o'clock in the afternoon from the, getting the call from the nurse saying, uh, you need to come pick Max up at school. He's got a fever. Like we decided that, uh, I would cover that aspect of our life. She would cover that, uh, that money part of our life and we'd negotiate everything else. Did you feel any, um, discomfort at all with the sort of like the regular ideas that society has about, you know, who's the breadwinner and who stays at home. I mean, are we beyond that? Or did you have moments of like, oh my goodness, this is a little, this is actually a little different. We are definitely not beyond that. I think a lot of, a lot of men um, still are struggling with that. I think it, it comes down to, um, I mean, I have always been a little bit um, outside the norm of what I consider acceptable. I, I, have no shame in saying that I, I love Oprah Winfrey. I've watched Oprah Winfrey. My, I remember seeing her first show and, and watched with my mom. I watched Phil Donahue. Um, not, not that that makes me, but that's indicative of anything. But I've, I've kind of always not really cared what people thought of, of me in that, in that sense. So I don't think I personally ever had some sense that I should be the breadwinner for my family. Uh, my wife and I both went uh, to college together. And uh, both could have been the breadwinners for our family, but um, decided that that wasn't the what what would have made sense for us, uh, not just financially, but personality-wise. It kind of it felt more right for me to be the one that was taking care of of what we need to be doing at home, um, and certainly her career uh, was taking off in a in a way that uh, mine wouldn't have if we would have chosen. Uh, to pursue that route. So um, I, I think it, it really depends on how men come to this decision. Um, if it is because they got laid off and there's no other choice, um, then it's not so comfortable. But if you are in it with your partner, if you're talking to the other people around you about it and getting support from from in-laws and from your parents and your friends, friend group and that kind of stuff, it can be a lot easier. Not everybody has that. I'm not a dad myself. I just had this this uh, image in my head of the the dads group getting together, and you guys are doing like carriage races around Central Park. You're like doing bumper cars with the kids, and I mean, what is that actually like? What do you guys do when you get together? Uh, not races, but we've definitely had like a caravan of dads walking over the Brooklyn Bridge, pushing our strollers. Um, we, I mean, some of the, some of the time it's with, it's with kids. Uh, so I remember one of our first meetups was at the Whitney museum in New York and it was three or four of us with our babies all under one. And we were sitting at a table and I, we were, 
I felt like we were one of the exhibits at the museum. The, the, the ladies who lunch were coming up to us thinking this was the greatest thing in the world, that uh, four men were sitting there with, with their children. It was so unusual to see this pack of, of dads together at, in, in one place. Um, and I would say that that could still happen. If you collected four or five dads in any one place, you're, you're going to have people looking in saying, what is going on on here? And not in a negative way. Um, so we'll do a lot of stuff with kids. And I think we're, we're doing now, and I'm, I'm kind of flipping the, starting to flip my mindset on this. And I'm learning from all the guys that are doing this around the country. Um, dads really need an opportunity to just connect uh, without the kids as well. And some of our groups, even our groups that are starting, just starting from scratch, they're leading with dads getting together for coffee or dads getting together for a beer. Um, and then every now and then they'll do something with families and kids. And um, I think one thing that has changed over, over the decades is that there aren't really acceptable ways for men to get together. There aren't really acceptable communities for men that that are widely available. We don't, there's no Elks, Elks club or, or bowling league or any of this type of stuff anymore. Men aren't going and spending weekends with their buddies golfing. And um, somehow, and this was pointed out to me um, actually on, on somebody's podcast that we're, we're kind of like the new, the new bowling league. It's acceptable uh, for men to gather in the context of being fathers, that it might not be acceptable if they were just a men's group, for example. Yeah, that's um, actually one of the questions I had, you know, kind of prepped for this is, you know, what's the the difference between, you know, the the father aspect and then the man aspect? And, and you did kind of explain that quite a bit was, you know, men just need to connect. And, you know, that's a big, you know, pillar of our podcast is just, you know, we help men connect and communicate and, you know, kind of build that empathy because, you know, there is that identity of, hey, I'm a father on this side and, you know, I have my family and I have everything else that goes on with my life, but also I'm an individual on the other side. And it sounds like, you know, you're really trying to develop the individual aspect with it uh, along with the family side. Now with the new kind of, um, you know, image and, you know, direction of the, the you know, NYC men's group, is is that what you're really focusing on? Is like the the individual aspect of like, hey, I'm a man, um, as as well as a father, and let's try to communicate and you know build some friendship, you know, build you know kind of like a sort of like a social network just for support. Is that the mission that you're going for? I, I mean, it's it's an emerging mission. I I really didn't ever. It took me a while to even think that I was running a group of men. It's, it's, we are a group of dads, and I, I am not one that is studied in masculinity. I haven't read a lot of books about, especially when we started and, and over the years, I hadn't read a lot of book about books about masculinity, hadn't thought about masculinity in a in a in an intellectual way, but that's that over time has has changed and, and we've started to add that element. I think society is changing, obviously, as well. All of all of the different movements um, have men uh, looking at ourselves uh, in a new way uh, as well, which is welcome. But I, I have to admit, I cringed. You called called us the NYC Men's Group, and I was like, "Oh gosh, that does." For whatever reason, that sounds scary to me, and something that I would never start the NYC Men's Men's Group. Uh, but for whatever reason, 
going out into the world saying I, I helped start NYC Dads Group and City Dads Group um, is easy for me. So still some work to do. Why is that? Why is that scary to think of starting a men's group to get together and just talk about being being dudes or just sharing sharing just being together? Yeah, I have no problem with that, and we do do that. But framing it that way and going out into the world saying that my point is to bring dads together and uh, share is um, for some reason um, off for me. It's, it's I, my own my own upbringing or my own biases about um, men getting together that I'm still figuring out and working through. And I I don't know, Albert, if you know Mark Green, who also lives in New York City on the Upper uh, West Side, he does a lot of writing about uh, masculinity and the man box and and all of this stuff. Um, He and I have had some great conversations about this uh, as well, and I've I've started to learn about some of the the groups, the Mankind Project, and and others that are doing this kind of work. Um, uh, but I, I'll admit, I I, I still um, I don't I don't know what I I haven't worked through why it's so so I don't know scary scared is the right word, but it just somehow seems different for me than than leading with the fact that we're all dads. If you have any ideas, I'm welcome to. Uh, I'd welcome your thoughts. Yeah, we may we may have to ask Adam on that one himself. Being a dad, I, you know, for me, just being a, a gay man is always the the tricky part of you know finding that connection with other men. You know, it's like you're you're talking to other men, and you reach that point where it's like, oh, people are realizing you're gay. You're telling them you're gay, and there's a rather wide variety of reactions that that people have to that. Um, so that that's that's always like a fascination for me watching how, you know, I'm constantly looking at what are those salient cre- uh, features of being a man that kind of trans transcend uh, this identity. These these kind of like little uh, quickie identities that we latch onto people. Oh, that's a father. Oh, that's a gay dude. That's a whatever whatever little quickie little way that we. And getting to those deeper qualities, you know, what really makes us men is, is a sense of that, va- is a sense of values, is a sense of uh, openness, a sense of courage, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that aren't really reliant on being a particular thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's just, that's kind of my No, and I, on, and I think my, if I were a gay man, I would be very comfortable go out and going out into the world and starting a group for gay men and collecting the group of gay men and finding that. What is it? Uh, I, certainly, there's a broad range of gay men that that are coming from all different backgrounds and different walks of of life. But I get and having that as the thing that ties us together, having fatherhood as the thing that ties us together, having something that ties us together. But for me, something about being just men tying us together still has me a little bit stuck. Yeah, that's funny because I never thought of starting a group to for other gay men. It was always I want to make a group where everyone's part of the group. You know, it's just, I think it's just built into my DNA that I see commonality and I see connection between the most disparate things. You know, it's just, it's where we receive, I think a lot of our, our perceived differences. We're a lot more like each other than, than meets the eye. It's, it's the more I talk to people and the more I've experienced, especially through this community that Adam and I 
uh, speak with, with this whole denim uh, hangout that we, uh, denim crew that we meet up with. Um, it's It's been really, it's been interesting to just see how open people have been to this wide variety of ways. Well, you know, whether it's gay, straight, um, father, not, not a father, um, it's, it's been just a very open, very open, inclusive group, which was a big surprise to me. I did, I did not expect it to be that way. I thought it was going to be one of those, well, there's only so much information you could, you should really share with other men. It's kind of been the, it's, it's kind of been the opposite experience for me. It's been actually quite encouraging. Well, I feel like there's a self-selection process for people who find a group like ours, a group like yours, like they, they perhaps they are, are more open to the idea. They, they I presumably, the way you, we communicate, the way you communicate about what the group is all about, somebody's not going to show up and start uh, bashing other people. And I, I think part of what we're doing is in real life intentionally, I think the ability to bring people together um, in real life is a lot different than bringing people together online. And there's all sorts of value to the communities that are developing online, but they can turn south pretty quickly. People sitting anonymously or virtually anonymously behind the computer versus standing in a room with somebody, uh, I think is a big, big difference. So um, we've been pretty lucky in the sense that uh, when we bring guys together and, and it's similar experience, gay dads come to our meetup, black dads coming, Latino dads, um, rich dads, poor dads, like coming together and having that commonality. Um, and we, fatherhood is, is where we start, uh, but certainly we're all men as well. And that con those conversations uh, are increasingly happening uh, as well. What are, what are some of the most powerful um uh, benefits and, and experiences you've had or surprises just as you've, as you've met with these other dads, what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about, about some of these men that's been a surprise to you? I continue to be shocked by how men lose their kind of themselves, especially when they become fathers. They, like they're working fathers, especially they have work, they're at work all day and they want to be great fathers and they want to be there for their their partner they want to be there for their kids so they all that's left if you work 8 10 12 hours in a day coming home and then giving everything you have to that um, there's no there's nothing left and men are not taking time for themselves to take care of themselves they're not taking time to develop community to develop friendships um, and that's not healthy, uh, we know. So I feel like uh, we've had many guys that'll come to a dad's night out and say, I haven't been out on my own in five years. I haven't, I haven't, my wife and I have gone out. Uh, I'm out, I will go out as a family, but I haven't been out on my own meeting friends, meeting even friends um, in two years, five years. Uh, so that continues to be um, surprising for me. Um, I think one thing that I'm really excited about is that uh, we've been starting to really rally uh, men to think about work um, and how big a work, how, how much work takes up in their lives and thinking about uh, how to change that. Obviously, women have been thinking about their work lives um, for uh, decades as they've tried to find that, that balance and, and tried to have it all. And from that sense, we don't want to to 
try to have it all, but we do want to uh, join women in recognizing that workplaces need to be built for people who have lives outside of work. And we've been having a lot of those conversations now for a long time. Let's join women in thinking about getting paid after uh, a baby is born to, to take time off from work. Let's join women in, in trying to create workplaces where uh, you can have more flexible schedules or say that you need to step out to go take your daughter to music class um, or whatever needs to be done. And it's not just about uh, parenthood in, in the workplace, but um, I think there's some really interesting conversations that come that have come from talking to dads and what their, what their pain points are. And really, again, that what the definition of dad today, we want to be more than just the paycheck or the, the disciplinarian. We want to be there for our families. And that means uh, the workplace has to change. Sometimes our family life has to change. Our community, church life has to change. We need to convince people that 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 I'm going to be different than than the norm. Um, so, I, I also personally just appreciate the opportunity to meet people from uh, so many places, all walks of life that I never would have opportunity to meet otherwise. I was the dad stuck, kind of in I'm with my my child the whole day and we we had a couple friends um we we it's not that we didn't see people and then thankfully for that we had we had a life outside of work and family but i now have the opportunity to meet people from uh, all walks of life and really work with people from all walks of life uh, we have a transgender dad that runs one of our groups we have gay dads that run our group we have groups we have latino dads that run our groups uh, black dads that run our groups and so it's um, been just this experience of really um, having a sense of of people and having a different perspective even on america than than other people have um, i'm i'm pretty excited about uh, the fact that we can be in 41 cities and that it can work in in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it can work in San Francisco, and it can work in these places that are very different from each other, but uh, and they may look different from each other on the ground, but uh, the the bond of fatherhood uh, can, can take us a long way. Right on. That is a, a beautiful message, the, the bond of fatherhood. I love it. Um, just to kind of uh, put all this in and kind of tie a bow on it, um, you know, you have some really great ideas for for men, for fathers, and for the world. But what is kind of your like, you know, personal mission for for men um, as well as fathers? Like, what what is the driving force behind all of that? I'm um, I think we've hit on a lot of it, and you guys are hitting on a lot of it too. We need to break out of this this man box and the way that many of us were raised about what what it means to be a man and what it means to be a, a good father that that's changing that no that model no longer is working for us first and foremost it's not working for us it's not working for society as as we're seeing in a bunch of different ways but it's not working for us it never really has um, so I think that's I think uh, the fact that we can start to have these conversations in the context of 
of fatherhood and what's best for our families um, and helping us also recognize it's best for our, our ourselves. It's good to be connected to our children. It's good to be raising our children in an active and engaged way. And that's going to have an impact on your thinking. Dad, there's so much in the world going on about dads raising daughters, which I've not had, had the experience of, but men Men's perspective change, perspectives change all of a sudden. Probably not, not, not good that it takes having a daughter to change it, but their perspectives are changing when they actually are, are involved, actively involved in raising a girl. Um, and that, that Im- that's already impacting the workplace. We hear about CEOs thinking differently about women in the workplace because they have daughters. We hear about athletes thinking about women differently because of their experience raising daughters. So I think that feels pretty good to be um, helping to to drive that um, opportunity and break down those barriers for men. Uh, what, what is it that's keeping us from being the fathers that we want to be? And we need to keep punching down at them, whether it be government and legislation, whether it be the larger community of what, what, is, it, what is an acceptable definition of, of what it means to be a man to our own families and our own community and making decisions that make sense for our family, not just make sense because there's some sort of gender norms that have been defined in the generations before us. So uh, all of us that are working on these things, I, I, I think it's having an impact and a really important uh, impact that uh, could save us in, in, in where we are now, <laughs> from where we are now. All right. Well, I mean, hey, changing the narrative is something that we're here doing, you know, at, at Veer Vulnerabilis Veer. I mean, we want to you just take down those walls, like you're saying, of just what it is to, to be a man and, and what it is to feel vulnerable and what it is to, to really feel. So we certainly appreciate, you know, everything that you said uh, today here, Matt. Is there any um, last closing words you want to go up or I can go ahead and uh, wrap up the show today? No, I just thank you for having me on and thank you guys for doing the work uh, that you're doing. I think we we are have been buoyed by uh, joining conversations and really uh, being part of conversations that are going on, on all, all over. We're doing our little piece here, but there's so many groups, individuals and groups doing great work um, and and amplifying each other's voices is is a a great way to propel us all forward. So thank you for uh, having me on. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure, Matt. Thank you so much. Well, this has been another episode of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinski. I'm Albert Imperato. Thank you for listening.